Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. He was there alone with himself, collected, tranquil, adoring, comparing the serenity of his heart with the serenity of the skies, moved in the darkness by the visible splendors of the constellations and the invisible splendor of God, opening his soul to the thoughts which fall from the unknown. In such moments, offering up his heart at the hour when the flowers of night inhale their perfume, lighted like a lamp in the center of the starry sky, expanding his soul in ecstasy in the midst of the universal radiance of creation, he could not himself perhaps have told what was passing in his own mind. He felt something depart from him and something descend upon him, mysterious interchanges of the depths of the soul with the depths of the universe. Victor Hugo, Les Miserables. Welcome to this 21st episode of Born of Wonder. I'm Katie Marquette. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We are now uh, topping 3,000 downloads. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for recommending the podcast, for writing reviews. And, uh, and just following along. It's been a lot of fun. So I hope that today's topic is going to help us all feel a bit better about this time change. I always forget that it's coming. <laughs> um, you know I love this time of year, but uh, this is kind of tough when you're outside and it's 5 p.m. and uh, it's dark out. My friend and I met uh, after she was done with work and we were ready to go for a walk and we were on the trail and it was just a little after five o'clock and we had to turn around because we were in these like dark dark woods really it's night out it's way too way too dark to be out here so I think a lot of people are feeling that way and maybe if you have pets or children um, they are not acknowledging the time change so they are getting up at the same time they usually would which happens to be now an hour earlier so I think that that whole when everybody's like enjoy your extra hour of sleep I have no idea who they're talking to. Definitely people without animals, people without kids. So (laughs) um, today's topic is going to be all about the stars, um, about the nighttime sky. So that is uh, what we'll be exploring today, a little bit about the history of astronomy and, uh, and the constellations and uh, what we can look for in the sky and how the stars have inspired so much in literature and poetry and also so much in um, that that there has been sort of this shared wonder with uh with with science and theology uh just looking up into the night sky has inspired both philosophers and theologians and scientists alike so 
I hope that this will be an inspiring topic and hopefully it will uh, it'll put a positive twist on on those early nights because I actually have been able to do um, some stargazing at about 6 p.m. <laughs> um, when I'm doing the barn in the evening. I can actually see a fair number of stars. So I hope that wherever you are, hopefully the light pollution isn't too bad or it's um, worth maybe taking a drive and, uh, and doing some stargazing. So without further ado, let's get going on today's episode. That? Mm. We're pals, right? <laughs> right. And we'll always be together, right? Simba, let me tell you something that my father told me. Look at the stars. The great kings of the past look down on us from those stars. Really? Yes. So whenever you feel alone, just remember that those kings will always be there to guide you. And so will I. Mufasa and Simba look up at the stars. And of course, later on, after Mufasa has uh, has died, um, Simba will find him in the stars. Um, you remember the big scene, remember who you are, um, the Hamlet's ghost scene, uh, the ghost of his father coming to remind him of who he is. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful idea, actually. And this idea that, um, that there's sort of that the dead are in the skies, that we can remember them that way, and also just sort of the rich history of mythology uh, that we see when we look up into the nighttime sky is very much alive today, uh, has very ancient origins. And I actually started this episode with a quote from Victor Hugo's Les Mis. Um, I don't know if anybody's tackled that book. It's actually a wonderful wonderful to read. Uh, back then they didn't have editors, so you will have um, some sort of a lot of tangents, uh, but it's worth reading. Um, I just remember when I was trying to keep like a commonplace notebook in college that I, there were a number of of uh, scenes where I would write down lines from it, and the one that I uh, quoted from, I, I'm pretty sure it's when um, it's, it's Marius uh, wandering around being a true romantic, looking in the night sky and feeling a kinship with the stars and the universe and God and love and everything. Um, I thought that was a beautiful uh, passage that definitely exemplified the way that we can feel when we look up at the night sky and feel simultaneously our place in the universe as being small and big all at once. Um, there's another beautiful line uh, from Les Mis that I remember writing down when uh, Fantine is walking around and she's this very romantic soul too and it says that she walked uh, among more flowers than existed there in that garden. So um, this idea that uh, that uh, the true romantics are walking around among more beauty than any eye can see. Uh, and I think that that can be true too of the person who looks into the night sky and maybe can see more stars than the rest of us. And um, I was in the astronomy club in, <laughs> in high school. I remember nothing. Uh, it was more about like sneaking a drink on the track while you looked at the sky. Um, that was really more. I do remember the phases of the moon. So if you ever want to know if it's a waxing gibbous or a waning crescent or anything like that, I will tell you about that. But I do remember as a little kid, um, my room had these glow-in-the-dark constellations on the ceiling. And I remember looking at them 
uh, as I would fall asleep every night. And so I just have these very sort of vivid um, images in my head of, of, of the constellations, the main constellation, you know, Pegasus, of course, my favorite, um, uh, but, you know, Ursa Minor, Ursa Major, the bears, and, uh, and uh, Perseus, and Andromeda, and um, Pisces, uh, Orion, of course, um, just all these amazing, fantastic figures, um, just sort of soaring across my room. And then of course, recognizing them out in the night sky. I was always a little disappointed, um, when I would see like, you know, oh, those three dots, like that's supposed to be it. I was picturing like, you really have to use your imagination there, but isn't that the beautiful thing that, um, people for, um, centuries and centuries and centuries now have looked at the night sky and seen some, uh, in the Fontaine-esque way, seen more than exists there, have created uh, beautiful narratives and beautiful ideas um, out of the night sky, have used them as a way to tell stories, as a way to navigate uh, literally and philosophically. So I think that um, looking up at the night sky can certainly be a reminder of these really beautiful things. So of course the uh, constellations that you are able to see is going to depend on where you are in the world, but um, the 48 traditional Western constellations are Greek, of course. Um, they are given in Eretus' work, Phenomena, and in Ptolemy's Almagest, sorry for my pronunciation. Um, though there's probably um, the origins of these constellations probably even predate that. Uh, but constellations in the far southern sky weren't added until the 15th century uh, into the mid 18th century when European explorers began traveling to the southern hemisphere. So of course I'm sure that the societies um, and the cultures that were in the southern hemisphere I am completely convinced they would ha they had their own constellations and stories about the stars, but um, it wasn't until uh, until the mid 15th to 18th century when Europeans came that uh, that um, constellations as we know them were added uh, added to the list here. Um, Twelve of the ancient constellations belong to the zodiac. Um, and uh, the zodiac uh, history is a little uncertain, um, but they think it's dating back to about 400 BC Babylonian uh, Chaldean astronomy. So astronomy is a very ancient, ancient science, um, and it makes sense. I mean, I can't. Uh, I think that probably from our earliest beginnings, um, mankind has been looking up at the stars um, and wondering about his place in the world. So although you may think, um, when you think of the church and astronomy, you probably think right away of Galileo and that whole debacle. <laughs> um, but actually the church has been very, um, very supportive of astronomy in general. Um, it was actually the largest source of support uh, for astronomical studies and advances um, between the 12th century until the Enlightenment. And uh, a large part of this had to do with um, the specificity of in which um, the liturgy was created. There was a uh, they really wanted to establish the calendar accurately, um, and they wanted to have the days, uh, especially around Easter, to reflect uh, reflect appropriately um, the movement of the sun and everything like that. So um, the, it's all tied together. And again, I got to mention Pope Benedict's Spirit of the Liturgy again, a great quote from that. He says, man is woven into the fabric of the universe. Uh, the stars and the moon leave its mark on his life. So this idea of the cosmic liturgy, and you think back if you want to listen a few episodes ago about um, 
G.K. Chesterton's concept of the cosmic patriot. Um, these are all ideas that we can keep in mind as we gaze into the night sky and think of our place in it. So by 1582, the Gregorian calendar had been established, which uh, created the modern year of 365 days, occasional leap year of 366 days. So uh, a solar observatory was built in the Vatican itself within the Tower of the Winds. Isn't that a romantic, poetic uh, term in uh, an astronomy tower in the tower of the winds. So, and, uh, you can look up, I know that he's been on NPR, he's been on Jen Fulwiler's show. Um, there is an official, uh, Vatican astronomer today. So, um, the church continues, uh, to be a, a source of, um, scientific discovery in that area. There was um, an, an observatory uh, that Charles Dickens was very impressed with. Uh, he wrote in his book, Pictures from Italy, that uh, in Bologna, he liked the Church of San Petronio, where the sunbeams mark the time among the kneeling people. That's a quote from Charles Dickens' Pictures from Italy. So if you're looking out to uh, to the night sky, if you want to do some stargazing this month in the month of November, I, winter for some reason, uh, just the, the sky is more clear. I feel like you can see more. Um, maybe I'm just outside more. And of course, night certainly comes earlier. So uh, we have more of a chance to observe these constellations. So it's a perfect time to go stargazing with like a hot cup of cocoa or something like that. I think that could be like really fun family thing to do. I have a lot of fond memories of looking at the stars with my dad and who, who even to this day, he has a very elaborate telescope set up at his farm. Um, like the sort of like, uh, thing that you have to crawl inside and lean on your back and look up at the stars. So, um, I think that, that could be a really fun thing to do. Uh, so if you're looking again, this is going to depend on where you are. So you should, um, I'm, I'm on the East coast. Uh, so you should look it up if, if you're in a vastly different area, but for the most part, this is what you're going to see best see in November. Um, you're going to see Andromeda, Cassiopeia, Pisces, um, you're going to see Draco and Pegasus. Um, you're going to see um, Cygnus. Uh, these are all really observable. Um, Draco, you'll see, uh, he has the, the the triangle head. Pegasus, of course, has the very recognizable uh, box uh, for his body. Um, Cassiopeia kind of looks like a W. Um, these are all really, really recognizable. Um, and Venus right now is very visible as is Saturn and Jupiter, which are very close to the moon when you're, when you're looking early in the evening. Uh, the, of course, what's amazing is, uh, looking at these can also be a great opportunity to explore some of the myths that they are portraying. Um, it's, it's really cool if you, if you can find Cassiopeia, um, Andromeda, her daughter and, um, her husband, um, Cepheus, are um, very close by to her. And then right below is Perseus. So the, the story, of course, of Andromeda being tied to the rock and being rescued by Perseus. Um, so they're actually called the Perseus uh, family over there. Um, you'll see uh, every everybody from that story um, sort of hiding out in the same area of the night sky. So I use an app called Starwalk 2. Um, it's not perfect. And of course, it's always... Uh, not ideal when you have to like look at your phone 
uh, and then look up at the night sky because your eyes won't adjust as well. So, um, but once you've been looking uh, every few nights, you'll get an idea of where things are in the sky and you won't have to use it as much, but it's free and it's easy to use. And um, it's again, it's called Star Walk 2. That's just the one I use. I'm sure there are dozens of others, but that can be a great way to discover constellations, to familiarize yourself with the night sky. Uh, soon, of course, we'll be seeing Orion uh, very easily. Um, he is so recognizable seeing those th those three stars um, making up Orion's belt. And what's really cool is I can remember different times in my life seeing Orion. I can remember seeing him on a camping trip in college where we were really deep in the West Virginia mountains and it really looked it was probably the most stars I've seen in my life, um, far, far away from any light pollution. And you could just see that this um, just blanket of sort of dimmer stars behind the ones that I was used to seeing. And it was just incredible. And I remember seeing Orion. I remember uh, being uh, studying abroad and my husband and I, then my boyfriend, we were in Venice and we saw Orion uh, when we were walking over one of those bridges it was frigid it was so cold it was December and we were freezing and I just remember seeing Orion and thinking I'm gonna remember seeing seeing him um, when I get back home I'm gonna remember that I saw him in Italy so these stars can um, mark times in our lives um, of course you know under which star you were born um, and the whole idea of a star was what led the wise man, uh, wise men to, to Christ. Uh, as we get ready for Advent, um, stars uh, mark a lot of things for us. So I think that that can be um, a beautiful thing to explore this time of year. Uh, just a few quotes here to leave us with uh, some star starry quotes here. Um, of course, famously, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Something, of course, to keep in mind, even as we're wondering what star we were born under and what, uh, you know, different times in our lives, but the stars can't, uh, can't explain away, um, the faults of human, humankind can't explain your personality or anything like that. Um, the fault is in, not in our stars, but in ourselves. Uh, this is a favorite um, quote I have. This is another one I, I put down in that commonplace notebook um, from The Great Gatsby, only mildly related to stars, really. But um, it's, so he waited, listening for a moment longer to the tuning fork that had been struck upon a star. Then he kissed her. I just, I just love that line. And I like the idea of a tuning fork upon a star. I just think that's a beautiful idea. Here's um, W.H. Auden. How should we like it were stars to burn with a passion for us we could not return? If equal affection cannot be, let the more loving one be me. Um, that's actually from sort of, it's sort of a facetious poem when I reread it, but I always remember those lines um, as we as we look up to the stars and, uh, and are wondering, wondering about uh, our place in the universe. I just, that idea of let the more loving one be me beautiful. Um, and then here's Van Gogh, of course, uh, the master of the starry night, right? He said, be clearly aware of the stars and infinity on high. Then life seems almost enchanted after all. And this is that idea of um, how stargazing and just um, wondering at the world around us, uh, the beauty of it, the immensity of it, the being swallowed up by it um, can uh, enchant the world around us, remind us of how enchanted it really is. I know when I was little, sometimes the thought of space, deep space, black holes, everything like that would scare me, um, or I would just feel sort of unstable. Uh, <laughs> 
um, mentally, um, just uh, who am I, where am I? But um, these are the places we need to go. And I think that if, uh, if we can spend that time telling stories, remembering people, um, looking into Greek myths and legends, um, these sort of epic stories as we look into, into the night sky and remember the history of humanity and our place in it, it can be um, a wonderfully affirming thing and can remind us of the beauty of the world around us. And of course, um, looking up is always a good idea. To quote C.S. Lewis, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. So remember to look up and not down. And uh, just an ending quote here from Isaac Newton as we think about how, um, how many scientists um, are, are also looking at the night sky and wondering about the night sky and this um, sort of long time coming joining of science and religion. Isaac Newton says, gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who set the planets in motion. So I hope that you will um, take some time this month to uh, enjoy those early nights, get outside, do some stargazing, um, and uh, and I hope that it's that it's inspiring and fun, and uh, maybe you'll read read the Greek myths uh, that, that that many of the constellations are named for. Those are always fun. Um, that was something that my husband and I did for a while. We would take turns reading from Bullfinch's mythology. Uh, some of them are really short, um, and some of them are told. They aren't great, but they're kind of funny <laughs> in the way that they're told. Uh, but they they're just it's a fun way to spend the time, and it's um always interesting about um, how I sometimes only know the very basics of a myth and I'll be just really surprised by the details, which are a lot of times really absurd, but often very poetic and beautiful too. So uh, that will be it for today's podcast. And I hope to keep doing these uh, once a week or so. Um, I don't really have a schedule. I was re-listening to an episode, just had to go back and find something. And I think I like apologized in the beginning because I was like, oh, it's a Thursday. And I'm, I know I was sticking to coming out on a Tuesday. This was definitely when I was pregnant and the baby was not here. So um, my idea of a schedule has been thrown out the window. So um, I'm trying to get these out once a week. I think it's great if I can do that. It really focuses my time, my energy, and... Um, it's wonderful to have an outlet like this because when I'm, you know, looking at the night sky, I start thinking, well, this would be a good idea for a podcast. And then it gets me excited and um, researching and wondering and looking up quotes and uh, just learning about history and all kinds of things. So, and it's certainly inspired me to get outside more uh, to look at the night sky. So I'm going to end uh, with a recommendation. If you liked listening to uh, the sacred music in um, in last week's episode, I think you'll really like this. This is the Talis Scholars um, in a Tenebrae concert um, singing If Ye Love Me. And if you look up uh, the Talis Scholars on Spotify, you can follow. There's actually a lot on there, but I will put the YouTube link to this particular uh, piece. And it's, it's just beautiful. Um, they have a lot of videos. Um, where they're they're singing in sort of candlelit churches and um, it's just beautiful beautiful to watch beautiful to listen to so um, go look at the stars enjoy um, it got a little warm today didn't love that but it has been cold so hopefully we'll have some nice chilly nights get wrapped up have some hot tea or hot cocoa look at the stars and wonder at the world Thank you so much for listening. My name is Katie Marquette, and you've been listening to Born of Wonder.
And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. 